five days after Biden's, Biden's inauguration. Congratulations, President Biden. And, President Biden. Uh, Dr. Biden, his, uh, the first lady and the first female vice president, Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you want to get starting to get into the coverage? So yeah, let's get going. <laughs> yeah, so we'll just give a quick synopsis of 1776. So 1776, the show was based on events leading up to the signing of the Declaration of Independence, telling a story of the efforts of John Adams to persuade colleagues to vote for American independence and, sign, and to sign the document. And that's a description from Wikipedia. One of the biggest jokes that I've heard this week is that apparently it wouldn't be as difficult to steal the Declaration of Independence yeah. as they made yeah. it out to be a national treasure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like... That's impossible. Like for, Actually, all we know, for all we know, like Nicholas Cage was in that mob and he still he stole it. <laughs> it was a ruse. Oh my god. No, this is scary. <laughs> Not to be made fun of. <laughs> yeah. Um okay. do you want to go into the background of the Declaration of Independence? Uh, yeah. Um, first of all, I don't know if I was the biggest fan of this musical. Me either. Um, not sure if it was just because of the week or if it was just not the creative musical, but it was just a bunch of men singing. I suppose they weren't even singing, they were just yelling. Yeah, so one of the um, notes that I found was that se- or scene three, where they're debating or whatever, mm. uh, this is a direct quote from uh, the Wikipedia thing. It holds the record for the longest time in a musical without a single note of music played or sung. So it's over 30 minutes passed between the Lees of Old Virginia and But Mr. Adams, yeah, the I next song in the show. And which, like they, uh, the pit orchestra is allowed to leave. <laughs> they're allowed to leave and like get a drink of water, get a snack maybe, and then come back. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how, how often like actors when they go off stage if they have a bit of time they go back to like their their dressing room and they get like a little snack or some water Mm -hmm. or whatever um because when we were doing musicals we would barely leave the wings i had a lot of time off um (laughs) i was only one scene in the beginning uh and then i had like three scenes in the second act um and then then, uh willy wonka i was on basically the whole time in the first act and then i was off for the whole time in the second act um until the very end so I had a lot of time to like just sit around and hang out with the buckets. Yeah. <laughs> hang out with spring the buckets. and a, yeah. the grandparents. But when I was like Willy Wonka, I could barely leave the yeah the wings. So I was always just hanging around there, trying not to get hit by uh, props going on and off. Mm-hmm. Because I had seen some behind the scenes video of uh, of Anastasia, where they have like little videos of characters or actors running around and then you have Ramin Karimloo who's walking back and they have this little candy section so he's going back and taking like a giant handful of candy even though he's <laughs> supposed to be off sugar or something like that yeah and uh or he would hide around doors or hide underneath desks and try to scare Christy Altamar <laughs> as she was coming in and out of uh, scenes yeah it's always funny seeing like backstage videos of people like scaring each other or like catching people off guard yeah or like in like Mean Mean Girls, um, Regina has like 20 minutes after in the beginning of the second act to just do nothing. So she's like just sitting in a dress room just on Instagram. Yeah, I would have massive anxiety that I need to be in the wings mm. the entire time so that I'm not missing my scene because that almost happened to me 
I think during Sister Act, where it was one of our final shows and we were, well, some people were in one of the dressing rooms to go write cards to some of the teachers mm-hmm. uh, that had helped us out. And so I was, I had a feeling like maybe I should get back now. And so I, I got up and then I went and then I basically walked into the gym where we had everything set up and just walked right on mm. to sit. So I just like timed it perfectly. Yeah. And I was so freaked out that if I had just said like, no, I'm just going to wait a little bit. Or I probably have time that I would have missed my cue. Yeah. So that, that always freaks me out to think back upon. I think I've only ever missed a set change once. But I've always been on. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes we'd be missing a nun or two. I mean, that's always how it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's just a long time to go without music in a mm-hmm. musical. And uh, it kind of begs the question as to whether um, this like story really needed to be a musical or not. Like, should it have been a play instead? I think the musical, it did help the story along because if not it would just be the same story it would just be the same scenes over and over again without the music mm-hmm. um yeah i think they're i think the music brings it out a little bit makes yeah. it a little bit more interesting because i think they talked to the the guy who had done the music and he said it was that he had tried fitting some songs mm-hmm. into that 30 minute yeah period but just nothing fit but like, how do you write a song when you're just when they're just debating? Like, they had the debating song like earlier on, but like, yeah, I guess they could have done the Hamilton thing, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they're they're also it's funny when you get a bunch of guys together to um, debate things, and they're all kind of old timey, and they're just so mean to one another. They are. <laughs> yeah, and um, one of my favorite parts was during but Mr. Adams, and it's Jefferson telling Adams just leave me alone yeah <laughs> and you're obnoxious and disliked that cannot be denied and you're driving me to homicide and uh, i was just uh oh it was it was really funny where i wasn't expecting it to be that funny like uh maybe it's not my favorite subject matter like the declaration of independence and just a bunch of guys debating and arguing mm-hmm. but some of the jokes in the songs were quite good Mm-hmm. That's good um, wordplay. Hmm? That's like good wordplay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I found a couple of, well, I didn't really find them, but in Wikipedia, they talk about historical inaccuracies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. So the Declaration of Independence, the thing that Nicolas Cage wanted to steal uh, so his character, I don't know if Nicholas Cage personally wants to steal it, but <laughs> who knows? You could be like, I personally yeah, no. identify with my character because I also want to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> but anyways, so the United States Declaration of Independence. So the American Revolutionary War lasted from April 19th, 1775 to September 3rd, 1783. So it lasted around eight years, four months, and 15 days. So the Declaration of Independence was signed in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, July 4th, 1776. Or I guess it was adopted then. It might not have been signed on that day, but I'll talk about that later. 
Um, it is known formally as the Unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America. And it was signed by the Second Continental Congress. So they were functioning as the national government from the outset of the Revolutionary War, uh, where all 13 colonies at the time were represented. So 1775, uh, the American Revolutionary War began and few colonists at the time openly advocated for independence from Great Britain. Uh, support for independence grew the next year in 1776, uh, especially after the publication of Thomas Paine's pamphlet, Common Sense, in January of that year. So I've been reading Common Sense by Thomas Paine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, the whole time I was listening to it, I was like, I will, I'd rather listen to Hamilton, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you can like to pick out little points here and there, like yeah. especially the sit down, John, you fat mm. mother. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, this is a different tone than what uh, <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda took in his song. Mm -hmm. um, so the main advocates for independence in the Second Continental Congress were Samuel Adams, John Adams, and Richard Henry Lee. So I, I think uh, Samuel Adams and John Adams were cousins. And uh, at the beginning of their career, Samuel Adams was a lot more uh, well-known than John Adams, but that quickly changed. So June 7th, 1776, Richard Henley Lee proposed the Lee Resolution, which resolved that 13 colonies in America, or the 13 colonies in America, were free and independent states separated from the British Empire and creating what would become the United States of America. So he proposed this, and John Adams seconded the proposal. Uh, June 10th, Congress decided to form a committee to draft a Declaration of Independence in case that the Lee Resolution was passed. Uh, so June 11th, uh, the day after, the Committee of Five is formed, and that consisted of Thomas Jefferson, who we know very well, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Roger Sherman, and Robert Livingston. And they op so the Committee of Five operated from June 11th, 1776 to July 5th, 1776. Uh, so a little under a month. So John Adams was the representative of Massachusetts, and he later became the second US president. Thomas Jefferson was the representative of Virginia and he later became the third US president. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was the representative of Pennsylvania, one of the most famous intellectuals of the founding fathers. Roger, Sh Roger Sherman was a representative of Connecticut and Robert Livingston was a representative of New York. So not much is known about the meetings between the Committee of Five as there were no real minutes left to depict what occurred. Uh, accounts of what occurred during the drafting process are given by Jefferson and Adams, but they are quite contradictory and not entirely reliable. Uh, they decided that Jefferson should write the first draft and he had 17 days to write it, but with little time to do so because Congress's schedule was so busy. Um, he brought it to uh, to the Committee of Five for changes. So they changed his writing of preservation of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. They changed it to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, which is a, a quite famous saying now. Uh, also included Jefferson's scathing criticism of Great Britain's use of slavery, which was later removed in order to avoid offending shareholders or slaveholders. So this was interesting that he had a scathing criticism 
of the use of slavery because Jefferson also had slaves. Yeah. That was like yeah. a big thing in Hamilton. Like, Hamilton's critical of Jefferson for being a slave owner. Yeah. And so I this mean, is a. Also traded slaves for the Schuyler family, but that's an issue for another day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is a direct quote from Wikipedia. During his lifetime, Jefferson claimed ownership over 600 enslaved people. As a wealthy landowner, he kept them in his household and on his plantations. So he also had a relationship with his late wife's half-sister, who was of mixed race and a slave. Uh, so that's Sally Hemings. Uh, based on DNA and oral histories, he most likely fathered six children with her. Um, at the beginning of their relationship, Sally Hemings was 14 and Jefferson was 44 and Sally was pregnant by the time she was 16. So that's just a little segue off to the side there. Um, and back to the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Um, another uh, on June 12th, another committee of five was formed to prepare a plan of treaties to propose or uh, to be proposed to foreign powers. So that consisted of John Dickinson, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, Benjamin Harrison V, and Robert Morris. And another committee was in charge of preparing a plan of a confederation for the states to consider. Uh, June 28th, the Committee of Five presented their draft to Congress and allowed for a few days for debate. July 2nd, the Lee Resolution was passed by the Second Continental Congress by a vote. And then July 3rd, there was some more editing of the document and it was largely completed by then. So John Adams wrote to his wife, Abigail, uh, on July 3rd. So this is a direct quote from his letter. Uh, the second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized uh, with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forever, forward forevermore. So he was off by two days. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Americans celebrated Independence Day on July 4th, which was the date that the Declaration of Independence was approved. Uh, so July 4th, uh, Congress voted its agreement in the late morning, and it was officially approved. Uh, the draft document was adopted and given back to the Committee of Five in order to draw up a fair copy, which was like a, uh, what's the word? Like a, you have a rough draft and then you have a good copy? Mm. I don't know what the specific word is. So July 5th, the printers finished the proof copy known as the Dunlap Broadside, and it was released to the public. The final document explained why the 13 colonies were at war with the Kingdom of Great Britain and why they regarded themselves as 13 independent sovereign states and no, under, or no longer under British rule. For some reason in later years, many of the members involved in the signing could not remember all of the details that occurred Therefore, the myth of there being a grand signing by all the delegates of Congress on July 4th prevailed. Um, the declaration signed by representatives from New Hampshire, Massachusetts Bay, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. Uh, two other parts of the Lee Resolution were not passed until later, 
So September 1776, the part regarding the formation of foreign alliances was approved. And then November 1777, uh, the part regarding a plan of confederation was approved, and but it wasn't ratified until 1781. Uh, Congress functioned as the provisional government of the United States of America until March 1st, 1781, and in, it was succeeded by the Congress of the Confederation. So that's all I've got about the Declaration of Independence. It was kind of hard to find anything interesting. <laughs> yeah, it seems like there's a lot there, and you don't really know what quite is important and what's just like gobbledygook. I just know that I would not be interested in some government processes yeah. because it's just so boring, and you have to debate it at every single step. Some people have so many people have their hand in the situation, like. Even in the show, so I usually like, write down a character list. I wrote down like probably like twenty five percent of the characters because I just didn't want to go through the whole thing. <laughs> like okay, so I wrote so just some uh, characters. Uh, John Adams, widely disliked delegate from Massachusetts, who was a strong advocate for American independence for Britain. Benjamin Franklin, close friend of John Adams, who agrees with Adams Adams's views on American independence, but is not as outspoken as Adams. More reasonable and friendly than Adams. John Dickinson, one of the main antagonists of the story, strongly against American independence, intelligent and articulate. Edward Rutledge, uh, youngest delegate to sign the Declaration, initially against signing because the Declaration called for the abolishment of slavery. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, intelligent delegate from Virginia, skilled in writing and violin, recruited by Adams to write the Declaration. Martha Jefferson, wife of Thomas Jefferson, lover of the arts, which leads her to Thomas because of his violin playing, and Abigail Adams, wife of John Adams. They have a strong relationship, even though they spend the entire musical apart. A passionate woman who supports her husband the whole time. And there's just so many more people. <laughs> so, so many. Like, and they go through the, the painstakingly uh, arduous process of naming all of them. Yeah, in the the cast list, and I guess, well, let's just be glad that they only mentioned these people and not the entire fifty, uh, or more than more than fifty Congress members who were actually there. It's not like they um, it's not like all the characters have the like has equal parts. Like they're all like probably from like James Wilson down. I guess he's a judge, but like George Reed down. They're just kind of ensemble members, but they have names. Yeah. Because there's a lot of yelling back and forth, and they're just going to be the Congress members, but we give them the de designated names yeah. from the Congress they, members to be in the ensemble. They're mostly just there to say yay or nay. Mm -hmm. Or argue, yeah. Yeah. So, yes. Um, a little bit about the musical. Uh, Sherman Edwards, with the guidance of producer Stuart Ostro, approached Peter Stone to write the book. There were two out-of-town trials in New Haven, Connecticut, and Washington, D.C. Uh, the music and lyrics are by Sherman Edwards, and the book is by Peter Stone. A little bit about the authors. I actually found a lot of interesting stuff on them. Um, okay. Sherman Edwards was an American songwriter who was known for writing the music to 1776, as well as writing songs for several American pop artists. He attended, he attended NYU for history while also moonlighting as a pianist on late night radio and music shows. Mm -hmm. After graduating, he served in World War II, after which he taught high school history. 
He also played piano with swing bands led by Louis Armstrong, Benny Goodman, and Tommy Dorsey. Later on, he wrote songs for artists such as Elvis Presley, Eddie Fisher, and Sarah Vaughn. Good lord. Yeah, he had quite a life. Um, yeah. And I think he... He was born in 1930, and I think he died... Maybe that's not him. Uh, yeah, I don't think that would be him. He would have been sorry. 15 by the time that yeah, the war ended. Uh, born in 1919 and died ah. uh, uh, 81. <laughs> That's more like different. it. <laughs> I was like, wait um, a second. Yeah, uh, but Pierre Stone, he was the one that. So he was born in 1930, Pierre Stone, and died 2003 at the age of 73. Um, Pierre Stone, son of, silent, son of silent film producer and writer John Stone, was an American screenwriter and playwright. His mother, Hilda Hess, was a Bavarian Jew who was born in Mexico, but was kicked out in the Mexican Revolution of 1910. After graduating from Bard College, Stone moved to Paris and worked as a news writer for CBS. Stone wrote the book for the Broadway musical, Keen. Uh, Stone won an Emmy for his work on the TV show, The Defenders, after which he wrote the screenplay for the Audrey Hepburn film, Charade. Later on oh, in that's, career, a, that's a good movie. Yeah. Um, later on in his career, he wrote the book for Woman of the Year, uh, The Will Barter's Follies, and Titanic. Uh, he's one of the few write- he was one of the few writers to receive an Oscar, Tony, and Emmy for writing. Huh. Yeah, they seem like they're really interesting dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what they would have wanted yes. to be remembered as. <laughs> yeah. Interesting dudes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there anything you want to talk about? Um, I guess going back to the history, I kind of feel like I kind of just went straight to the... <laughs> yeah, there's... Uh... As much as they were like accomplished writers, they did have some historical inaccuracies mm-hmm. um, throughout the play uh, or musical. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, biographer David McCullough said that John Adams was depicted as obnoxious and disliked, but he was actually one of the most respected members of Congress in 1776. Um, his own description of himself in Congress as obnoxious, suspected, and unpopular is from a letter written 46 years later in 1822 after his unpopular presidency had likely colored his view of the past. Um, so, and then also uh, the musical doesn't depict all, all of the more than 50 members of Congress who were present at the time, but thankfully they didn't because that would, have meant, <laughs> that would have meant a lot of cast members and a lot of people just sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. Um, so that's most likely for artistic and simplicity purposes, because um, I feel like the number that they had already was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, John Adams uh, depicted as not liking Richard Henry Lee, but in fact, he had the utmost respect and admiration for the tall, masterly Virginian. That's a direct quote. I wouldn't say that normally. Yeah. Um and then it, he's also depicted as liking Benjamin Franklin, but in fact, in real life, he really didn't like him. Mm-hmm. Huh. So that's just some of the historical inaccuracies. I didn't include all of them because it would have gone on for a wee bit. Yeah. But yeah, like when you're when you're trying to make a musical out of something as very dull as the writing of the the Declaration of Independence, you're gonna need to take a couple of creative liberties uh or some dramatic license mm. uh, with that just to make it a bit more bearable yeah 
Which is good that they added the, um, like, they could have just had it as just, like, straight up as the story of the Fearsome Advice. They also added in um, Abigail and Martha, adding two women to this, like, the 30 mm-hmm. men cast. <laughs> <laughs> Which, arguably, they have the best songs. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, because uh, He Plays the Violin is one of my favorite songs from the musical. Honestly, uh, it's gonna sound weird, but I really like the um the Lee song. The Lee song, the leaves of old Virginia. Yeah. Barely, here, barely. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's one of my favorite songs as well. I yeah. found it quite funny. And they were very uh, metaphorical with the egg. Yes. It's America is an egg. <laughs> and uh how they were trying to choose what would be the, the national bird. Yeah. And you have like a turkey. Good lord. <laughs> a turkey, a dove, or an eagle, and thank goodness they went for the eagle. Yeah, but I... maybe they should have gone for the dove. Yeah, peace. Peace, peace is important. It's what we need right now. Yeah. <laughs> now what we need right now is accountability. Yeah, no, <laughs> a turkey of accountability. <laughs> 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 and here is the American turkey, and what it means is accountability. No, turkey more like more likely means. Uh, getting pardoned. I have notes about Mr. John Adams. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. I was, like, kind of worried. I was like, do we have anything else to talk about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he has led an interesting life. So, beforehand, the only thing I knew about John Adams was what I had learned from Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And so, I had always thought of him as kind of, like, a bumbling guy who just wasn't very popular. Mm-hmm. Um... And that's just kind of based on what Hamilton said. And apparent, so Hamilton and John Adams did not get along. Mm. They were technically rivals. So from this point, or from beforehand up to when I started learning a bit more about John Adams, I thought that I had kind of a biased view about John Adams because all I had heard was based off of like Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And that, so... John Adams was born October 30th, 1735 in Massachusetts Bay, and he died July 4th, 1826 in just Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they changed the name or whatever, but that's beyond me or mm-hmm. beyond my caring. <laughs> <laughs> I was tired when I was doing this. It was like 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so he lived to the age of 90 years old. Wow, good for him he, for, that, for that time period. Yeah, good, good for him. Hey. Yeah. In the 1800s, wow. Um, so he was an American statesman, an attorney, a diplomat, a writer, and a founding father. Uh, he was the second president of the United States of America from 1797 to 1801, so he was a one-term president. Mm. Uh, but he did serve for two terms as the first vice president of the United States under George Washington. So um, his wife was Abigail Adams, nay Smith. Uh, So they uh, were married in 1764 and technically they were third cousins, but. (laughs) Uh, Like, okay, like there's some recurring themes in history here, like cousins and marrying people you shouldn't marry, especially minors, like. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Like, if we can learn anything from history, like this. I mean, I don't know if there's too many cousins and 
minor is getting married nowadays, but yeah, it's like I know that they were the colonies and that maybe they didn't have that much like diversity there. I don't know. There's still like I feel like this is genetic. Was the next town over? <laughs> <laughs> Just send for someone in Paris. Just be like, yeah. hey, I need a French woman to come over here. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so. Abigail and John had six children, and this is another thing that I don't quite understand about people who lived back then, is that they always named their kids after themselves. Yeah. And it's like, this is, eh. Like, the thing with uh, Elizabeth Woodville is, like, we're going way back, she named her first daughter Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. and then had named one of her eldest sons Edward after her husband and it's like just come up with a different name it's not that hard yeah and then we don't have to deal with this stupid numerals roman numerals thing that's going to make me trip over everything yes this is just a personal thing yeah. i just wish that i could go back and just yeah come up with a different name for once in your life yeah. so anyways tangent over The six children of Abigail and John were Abigail, John Quincy, Susanna, Charles, Thomas, and Elizabeth. So only Abigail, John Quincy, John Quincy, just one guy. I guess that's how they differentiate him from his dad. Uh, Charles and Thomas survived to adulthood. Uh, Their son, John Quincy Adams, became the sixth president of the United States. Um... So John Adams's education was at Harvard University. He had a Bachelor of Arts as well as a Master of Arts. He was a lawyer as well as a political activist prior to the revolution, and he was the delegate for Massachusetts. So historian John E. Furling writes that by the fall of 1775, no one in Congress labored more ardently than Adams to hasten the day when America would be separate from Great Britain. Uh, He opposed the use of slaves of slaves and labor, he never once owned a slave, opting to pay for labor even if it was much more expensive. Uh, his wife Abigail Adams was also also vocally opposed to slavery. Um, even with his opposition to slavery, in 1777 he spoke out against a bill that would emancipate slaves in Massachusetts, stating that it was too divisive a topic and the legislation should be or should sleep for a time. Um, He assisted in drafting the Declaration of Independence in 1776, as we previously spoke about. He was a member of the Committee of Five, and he defended the Declaration effectively during the debates in Congress. So one of the conversations that he had with Thomas Jefferson was that Thomas was better at writing, like better, or he was just better at writing uh, legibly and uh, effectively, but he was better, or Adams was better at speaking and defending it because Jefferson was not a great debater and he was most like or mostly uh quite quiet so he was definitely an introvert despite what Hamilton makes you think about him that he was a a big extrovert mm-hmm. um he was the primary author of the Massachusetts Constitution in 1780 In 1785, he was appointed the first American ambassador to Great Britain. Upon his arrival, he had an audience with King George III, and they had amicable relations. 
And as a diplomat, he helped negotiate a peace treaty between, uh, between America and Great Britain. So that was kind of, uh, I, I don't know if I should be bringing up Hamilton all that often, but with uh, King George, when uh, he's like, John Adams, I know him. Yeah. Like that little guy who spoke to me. So that's most likely how they knew each other. Mm-hmm. Was uh, between the John Adams being a diplomat. Um, with the first presidential election approaching, George Washington was searching for a northerner to be vice president. The like the way that they had it going at the time was just that the second place person would be vice president. Mm-hmm. I think at the time, so I don't really know if he had a choice in the matter. Uh, but anyways, Adams was the primary contender. Washington received 69 electoral college votes, and Adam received 34 electoral college votes. Therefore, Washington was the first president, and Adams was the first vice president. And during his time as vice president, he sided with Washington on almost all occasions. Uh, In 1792, or the election of 1792, he was reelected with 77 electoral votes, Uh, But when Washington did not campaign for a third term, a struggle for power erupted. In the uh, 1796 election, he was elected as president with 71 electoral votes, and Thomas Jefferson became his vice president with 67 electoral votes. Uh, March 4th, 1797, Adams is sworn into office, and he is the only president elected under the Federalist Party. He encountered fierce criticism from the Jeffersonian Republicans, as well as criticism from his own Federalist Party led by Alexander Hamilton, his rival. Uh, He was the first president to reside in what would become the White House. Um, And he championed the divisive Alien and Sedition Acts of 1798. And I wish I had looked into that a little bit more because that's one of the words that's been coming up a lot Mm. recently is sedition. And anyways, in 1800, there was another election, and it was one of the most bitter uh, campaigns and elections in U.S. history. Um, The Federalists were divided, and Adams lost uh, any possibility of having a second-term election to his former friend, Thomas Jefferson, with Adams only receiving 65 electoral votes, while Jefferson and Burr tied for first place with... 73 votes each and so that's where I guess uh, Hamilton was the deciding vote mm-hmm. I never really understood that until I read this so yeah because in I don't know how it works now but like in the senate uh, once everyone's sworn in um, it'll be a 50-50 tie literally <laughs> they each, both parties have 50 seats um, and then the vice president will have the say but Hamilton wasn't the vice president, and also there was an electoral race, not a Senate thing. Yeah. I'm still just very, very confused about the American process in yeah. their government. <laughs> you just make it up as I go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have so many different rules, and it's like they never follow any of them. Mm-hmm. They're in place until they don't need, until they don't want to use them anymore. Yep. Um, and another thing that added kind of some 
insult to injury was that his son Charles died November 30th, 1800. Oh, no. And so after the election, Adams retired to Massachusetts to be with his wife, Abigail, and he did not attend Jefferson's inauguration. So I had, I was kind of curious about this because they talked about how Trump was not going to be attending Biden's inauguration. So I was interested in learning about other presidents who had not attended their successor's inauguration, even though this was viewed as poor form on their part. So John Adams didn't attend Thomas Jefferson's inauguration in 1801. Then later his son, John Quincy Adams, didn't attend Andrew Jackson's inauguration in 1829. So, like father, like son there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Van Buren didn't attend the inauguration of uh, William Henry Harrison in 1841. The reason is really unknown as for why he didn't attend it. Andrew Johnson didn't attend his nemesis Ulysses S. Grant's inauguration in 1869 because he was impeached. Later, Woodrow Wilson didn't attend... Oh, why didn't I write who he was not attending? Who came after Woodrow Wilson? I thought it was FDR, but I might be wrong. We're not American, so we don't really have to know these things, but for some reason, we do. Um, he, uh, Taft. No, 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 sorry. Uh, wait, preceded by Taft, uh, succeeded by Harding. Harding. Warren G. Harding. Huh. All right. So Woodrow Wilson didn't attend Harding's inauguration, but that was due to health reasons. He mm. had recently suffered the like after effects from a stroke, or oh, he was Jesus. suffering from after effects of a stroke, so he's excused. Yeah. <laughs> um, Richard Nixon didn't attend Gerald Ford's inauguration, but Ger- Richard Nixon had resigned, so that doesn't really count. Oh, uh, Nixon resigned. Watergate. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Donald Trump stated that he will not attend Joe Biden's inauguration in 2021, the first to do so in 150 years, as the Wilson and Nixon didn't really count. Mm-hmm. So it's the first since uh, Andrew Johnson, I believe. Uh, so yeah, that was my little segue into something else. Uh, mm-hmm. And so back to John Adams. So he supported the War of 1812. He supported James Madison's re-election to the presidency in the same year. And well, I guess 1812 was a big year for him because he also resumed his friendship with Thomas Jefferson after a, a long period of time of them not speaking to one another. Um, October 28th, 1818, Abigail died of typhoid. Um, February 1825, John Quincy Adams was elected to be the President of the United States, and John Adams is absolutely delighted. Uh, Hopefully. (laughs) That would be really (laughs) awkward if your dad was like, you made it to be President of the United States? What a disappointment. Yeah. (laughs) I am so mad. You don't make the same mistakes mistakes I did. (laughs) (laughs) How could you do this to me? (laughs) Um, Laying the family down. Um, so John Adams died on the 50th anniversary of the adoption of the Declaration of Independence, just hours after Jefferson's death. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, talk about, like, 
you wait <laughs> like 40 years. Yeah. A little bit about the cast. Um, there's a lot of them. I didn't look into all of them because there was like too many to research. Um, but the two that I found really interesting were uh, William Daniels starred in On a Clear Day You Can See Forever, A Little Night Music in 1776. Um, in his later career, he went on to star as George Feeney in Boy Meets World. Oh. Yeah. And then Betty Buckley, uh, we stan her so much. Um, she's a Broadway veteran. Uh, she's performed in, in the Broadway cast of Cats, Sunset Boulevard, and Pippin. She's appeared in the 1976 Carrie movie, 2016 Split, and has been in Pretty Little Liars and Supergirl. Hmm. Um, so she, she, you know, the song, you know, the song everyone knows from Cats, like Memory, she's the original singer of that. Or at least in Broadway, and she won the Tony for that role. Oh, and was she? Um, she was Martha, right? Hmm. She played. Oh Martha. yeah, yeah. She played in this production. She played, oh yeah, sorry. She Martha played Jefferson? Martha in this production. Okay, um, because I looked. I actually looked her up yesterday yeah. because uh, I just really liked her voice in the mm-hmm. playing the violin song. So yeah, she's so good. And then sorry, and then uh, William Daniels played John Adams. Yeah, um, wasn't it? Um, San- Santino mm-hmm. uh, Fontana yeah. in the Encores production. Mm-hmm. So just a couple, a little bit of production history going into that now. Um, so the Broadway production opened originally on March 16th, 1969 and closed February 13th, 1972. So a good almost three-year run. Uh, it actually played three different theaters, which I find really weird. Um, it started in the, uh, the 46th Street Seat Theater uh, the St. James Theater, and then finally Majestic Theater. Um, that's a lot of moving around. That's a lot of money, but they just needed to, to vacate the space. Um, it doesn't happen too often now because there's a lot more moving parts and shows, and it's a lot like they, first of all, they lose the they lose the prop that's able to have those like weeks they're moving, and they also have to like physically move the space, and they have to retech the show. So, I mean, in, in late 1970, I don't know how much of that they had involved in the show. So, yeah. at least it wasn't as expensive. Um, the London production and U.S. tour both opened in 1970. Australian production in 1971. There's a Broadway revival in 1997. Uh, some highlights from that cast. Um, Brett Spiner, Tom Aldridge, uh, Lauren Ward. That's the guy from Star Trek. Mm. He Brett plays... Spiner. Stephen Hopkins. And then there was a 2016 Encores production. Encores is a Encores is a theater company in in uh, New York that they do shows that either didn't have very long runs or that haven't been produced in a while. Uh, they actually have the the current revival of Chicago. Um, so it's like the second longest running musical in Broadway history. Um, it started in, in 1990 something. Uh, um, yeah, so the 1996 was the Encore's run in Chicago that transferred to the to Broadway and it's been running since. Mm. So it's the second longest Broadway uh, musical uh, and the longest uh, revival. Um, and they've always throwing a couple of stars in there. Uh, we can get to Chicago another day. Uh, but yeah, they do like shows that aren't produced very often or need to be revamped. Mm. Um, 
And that cast included uh, Santino Fontana as John Adams. Because he was Hans, right? Mm-hmm, he was Hans. And he was in Billy Elliot uh, as Tony. I knew um, that we had talked about him before. Mm, yeah. I just couldn't remember how. Yeah, and then Bryce Pinkham played John Dickinson. Uh, Alexander, Alexander Gemignani played Edward Rutledge. Andrea Shields, um, Stephen Hopkins. Uh, we love Andrea Shields. Um, he plays Hate Hermes in Hades Town, and he was oh. in the original cast of The Wiz. I still um, gotta watch those. Oh, they're so good. Um, John Bellman uh, played Thomas Jefferson, and Christiane Knoll played Abigail Adams. And then there is a, a revival set for 2021. Uh, probably not gonna happen, so it's been pushed back to 2022. And it's uh, gender flipped. So it's all women oh. and then two men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's much um, better. I don't recognize any of these names. Um, <laughs> I'll just go through that. John Adams is played by Crystal Lucas Perry. Um, Benjamin Franklin is played by Katrina Murray. And John Dickinson is played by Carrie O'Malley. And okay. actually... Maybe it's all women. Uh, wait. Because it looks like Aaron LaCroix. That's like E-R-Y-N. Yeah, okay, it's all women. That's really cool. Even the, um, the Very nice. Um, it's directed by Diane Paulus. Uh, she is... She won the Tony for direction in for Pippin for her revival of it, and she was also nominated for Hair and uh, Porgy and Bess. Um, she's definitely one to look out for, even though she's been working for a while and she won a Tony, so she's here. We don't look too far. <laughs> um, and then, so awards, uh, they have for the uh, revival and the first production, there's been four Tony Awards uh, from eight nominations. And the awards include Best Musical, Direction of Musical, um, and Featured Actor uh, for Ron Holgate, who played Richard Henry Lee in the original production. Um, fun fact, uh, William Daniels, William Daniels, who started John Adams, was ruled ineligible for the Best Actor nomination because his name was not billed above the title of the show. He was nominated for Best Featured Actor, but refused the nomination. Um, which the only other time I can think of um, people who refused the nomination is Julie Andrews, uh, when she was the only one recognized for Victoria, Victor Victoria. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorite characters? Mm-hmm. Which John Abbott that screams is your favorite? <laughs> uh, one of the comments that I found that was kind of interesting about this production was that they include Abigail and Martha, but neither of them were actually there. Mm-hmm. While. Uh, Dickinson's wife was actually there. Oh, really? But they didn't, but they didn't include her. Mm-hmm. Guess she just wasn't as uh, important in mm-hmm. their eyes. So, yeah, I like Lee. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I like his song. <laughs> it was interesting because his, like, 
it said that he was going off to be governor of Virginia, but that wasn't true. Uh, his brother ended up being governor, and then his brother's son, so uh, Lee's nephew, ended up being Robert E. Lee mm-hmm. of the Confederate Army. Do you have any favorite songs? Uh, I really liked Sit Down, John, because it reminded me a bit of Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, also reminded me of the Hamilton, Sit Down, John, you fat mother. Yeah. And uh, I also like the the Lees of Old Virginia because it's there, Lee, here, Lee. It's just really like upbeat and fun. Yeah. Um, and then he plays the violin because I just love uh, her voice. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, Mama Look Sharp really hit a chord with me because it was just very haunting mm-hmm. and when you know like the context behind it where it's a a soldier calling out for his mother to find his body yeah. in a a battlefield and it's just kind of takes you out a little bit from the storyline and just say like this is what's happening at the same side or yeah. at the same time and yeah. these men are quarreling about nonsense yeah i really like the lee song um I liked the egg. It's a fun metaphor. <laughs> it's also fun that a song called The Egg was on a Broadway stage <laughs> twice. Um, yeah, and I liked the uh, uh, Till Then. It seemed like they had a really good relationship. Um, I don't know if they did in real life, but these two um, fictionalized versions of Adams and his wife seemed very strong. That was one thing I noted on like about how even though they spent so much time apart, they still seem so strong. Yeah. Because people have, like, people nowadays have a hard time being away from each other for, like, a month. Even though it's like we have so much more technology to hit, to you, to be able to be with them. Yeah. yeah and, like, Jefferson was away from his month, uh, was away from his wife for, like, over six months. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was, it was weird. Some of the writing when Abigail is writing to John Adams and she's like, oh yeah, so our son has dysentery. Uh, They have the measles and I have the flu. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wow. (laughs) Uh, Like, it's just such a weird thing to put into a song. Yeah. (laughs) And I was just so taken aback when I first heard it. I was like, wow, okay. Um least favorite characters Mm. I don't know to be honest I didn't watch the whole thing I didn't even watch it (laughs) at least I put some effort I know (laughs) (laughs) I just listened to the soundtrack a couple times because because when you listen to the soundtrack you miss out on the 30 minutes (laughs) <laughs> of no of no singing so when I had first I was like oh maybe I could just get away with it by listening to the soundtrack but then mm-hmm. I started watching the real thing and I was like oh I'm missing so much context in it mm-hmm. uh but yeah I just was not motivated to, to do this one it's all be full I'll be honest this one is not yeah. the one I was excited for after like doing the ex- like the exciting exactly. part of doing, doing six, after doing six, which is like targeted towards us, yeah, um, like to our age demographic. Doing this one that was targeted to like our parent, no, not even our parents, like our grandparents' age if they were ever yeah. senior fans, baby boomer age, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, like you had, you had said that uh, 1776 walked so that Hamilton could run. Hmm. Uh, and it was like, yeah. I think, I think I said that before I listened to it and I don't, there's no similarities. It's just, it's just around the same subject, ma- subject matter. I mean, maybe it did open the world up to the concept of historical musicals. But it wasn't the first one, though, so. Well, most people didn't know that much about John Adams at the time, so Mm -hmm. uh, it made him a bit more accessible to the the regular viewer. Um, I'm trying to think about what we have. Well... Well, if I had to choose between 1776 and Hamilton, I would definitely choose oh, Hamilton. Yeah, over no it. contest. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly fair. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, one is Anthony Ramos, but... <laughs> oh, my God. Anthony Ramos. Oh, so there's um, a new movie that's coming out. I don't know if it's already out, but it's like A Night in Miami or something, and it has Leslie Odom Jr. in it. Mm, uh, it's a fictionalized meeting of Muhammad Ali... Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke in my hotel room in February 1964. Yeah. So I love Sam Cooke. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to his music for years, and I've watched like a documentary about his tragic death and how there was just some weird things surrounding his death that just didn't seem right. So mm-hmm. I was kind of confused about it. But yeah, I just think that he's very underrated and not that many people talk about him. Uh, oh, of course, Los Angeles Jr. is playing Sam Cooke. With that voice, yes. Yes. Oh, so Nicolette I... oh, Robinson is playing his wife. Ooh. Um, do you know Nicolette Robinson? Uh, she sounds familiar. She's um she's Leslie Odom Jr.'s real life wife. Oh. Um, and she played uh Jenna and Waitress. She was the first Black Jenna. Oh. Yeah. And she was in the TV show The Affair as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't know that she was in that movie. I didn't realize it's, that Adam Jr. was in that movie. I thought, like, I, I heard about it on the CBC, but I didn't actually. Know oh, they're, they're expecting their second child. Oh. So the movie got 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Yeah. I, I I can't wait to watch it. I just want to watch it so bad and see that Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke. I don't know. Uh, Amazon? Oh, it's on Prime Video. Video. Oh, on January 15th. Okay, so I should be getting it in five days. I'm so excited now. I didn't realize it was coming out so soon. Anything else I want to say about 1776? Uh, go see Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> go watch Hamilton and Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I, I, I want to watch okay, it again. I will again. say there's a movie for 1776. Neither of us watched it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure maybe that but bit would have made it better, but I don't know. But at that point, it's not even on stage. It's just they're manufacturing it with a, with a movie. Like I think doing what doing what they did with the Hamiltons probably the best case, best case scenario where they filmed stage production with different angles of stuff rather than adapting it to a movie form. Yeah. But I am very excited for In the Heights, because they made it into, I'm so excited, Uh, um, they made it into a, like, straight-up movie, which I think works for that movie, Um, not for all, but... We know it has been a very stressful week for everyone. I myself have classes tomorrow (laughs) that I'm not looking forward to. 
I guess this last week was my first week back to work after the holidays, and it was definitely a slog to get back uh, to go about it like that early in the morning. But yep, especially because I was still on like the holiday schedule where my like, went to bed at like three, three or four. I had to wake up like seven a.m. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I I tried fixing my sleep schedule after New Year's. Like I stayed up all night one night and. Uh, I think it was just like five in the morning and I was like, you know what? I'm too wired. I can't go to bed. And so I stayed up and I went on the treadmill and tried to tire myself out. And then I had like two naps mm-hmm. during the day and then tried to go to bed at 12. And then I was like, I was, I get most of my best work done after 12 a.m. Yeah, I'm definitely a midnight worker. Like usually edit the episode, like edit episodes like at midnight. Yeah. Um, like on Sunday before Monday. Yeah, I don't like having a bedtime, but at the same time, I'm like, I need to be a functioning member of society. Mm-hmm. I don't like to have, I don't like to have to, like, I don't like leaving stuff to the morning because I know that like, there's a chance I'll sleep in. Yeah. Yeah. I hate having like an idea and then being like, oh, no, now I have to turn on my phone and it's going to mess up my, whatever you, Your flow. the blue light or whatever is going to mess oh, up my yeah. brain or whatever. And it's like, but I have to write it down or else I'm going to forget about it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, yeah. As you could tell, neither of us really like the show, but... <laughs> we <laughs> well, tried our best. That's, un- that's not fair to say. Like, I... Under normal circumstances, I can say I probably would have enjoyed the show, show a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. If, just, just, just if the America. world weren't, weren't burning around us... Yeah. Then maybe we would have enjoyed it a bit There's more. A podcast to listen to, and they were they recorded on Wednesday, um, uh. and they were like, every once in a while, it's like a pop culture podcast, and every once in a while, they were like, oh, we discussed blind items, but the men have taken the building. No worries, no no worries, the men have taken the building. That was <laughs> Just, a scary yeah. day. Very scary. Yeah, I was reading something and. Uh, the author was like, or she posts online and she was like, yeah, I wasn't really going to post today, but uh, I, considering everything, I think that we need something to take our minds off of everything. And she actually lives in DC. And so I was like, oh, thank you for this like new posting. Uh, much love from Canada. And then she responded back. She's like, oh, thank you so much. I, I'm glad that you liked it. By the way, um, if you know any eligible bachelors in Canada who can get me a dual citizenship, please send them my way. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, I always knew that I would only marry for tax purposes or to get someone a green card. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, should I give her my number? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the author? Huh? Who's the author? Uh, she's just a, I don't know. Like she's not published. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just like on an online thing. Okay. But yeah, I was like. I could get married. <laughs> yeah. Mom, I'm getting married. What? Yeah. Ooh, I haven't met them yet. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks everyone for listening to the show. Um, Thank you. Follow you. us on Twitter at History the SP One. Sorry, you should go the other way around. Um, on Instagram at History the Spotlight, or you can email us at History the Spotlight gmail.com. Uh, mm-hmm. Just with your opinions, any shows you'd like to like us to see, like to see us cover, 
any of your like basically your stories that kind of thing anything that looks like it's relevant to us yeah and uh this upcoming month because this episode will be posted january 25th uh so february is our special event month where we will be doing fairy tale february yay yay so we'll be starting off with cinderella Ooh. so yeah so we we'll do like kind of the format will be like we're doing it we'll be doing it now but like with the background of the story or if there's any like actual real life relevance to it yeah because yeah. if uh if you're looking like wow they're doing cinderella on a history like musical theater history podcast yeah. like that doesn't seem right but we're breaking our rules already and just talking about the the stories behind the story like Hans Christian Andersen Brothers Grimm the Brothers Grimm and how the story has shifted and evolved over time because mm-hmm. most of you already know that Cinderella uh, when it was first written is definitely not how Cinderella is that we know today. No. <laughs> it is much gorier and creepier and more mind-blowing and yeah. yeah. So we'll be having some fun with that. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Well, thank you. Thank Goodbye. you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.